Hello, everybody. I'd like to welcome Mr. Jim Stroud. Jim has a blog. You can go to jimstroud.com to check that out. Jim is a conservative blogger and patriot, and I'm really proud to have Jim on and talk to Jim about what his mission is and a little, get a little bit more background about him first. So, Jim, tell us a little bit about what you're doing, why you're doing it, what what motivated you to get started on this path that you're on here. Sure, sure. I've been actually blogging for a couple of decades. My very first blog was in the year 2002. Um, and my content has been pretty much HR related because that's my background. And uh, I've built up a bit of a uh, of a niche for myself in terms of creating content in the in the HR realm, specifically recruiting realm. So I've produced a lot of videos, podcasts, articles, a whole bunch of stuff around recruiting and around technology, too, as well. And a few years ago, I just started dabbling a bit in changing up my content a bit. I started talking about different social issues. Um, I started talking about this trend of, of puppies versus babies, as an example, where I noticed that people were uh, spending more time or spending more attention adopting pets as opposed to having children in relation to fertility rates. I talked about uh, growing narcissism <laughs> around, around millennials, mm. things like that. And I touched a little bit on race issues, but not so much because I felt like, you know what, I don't want to I don't want to tick anybody off. I'll just sort of sort of stay in the middle. Uh, I wasn't really trying to be a, a big, strong vocal voice at that time on, on the issue. Then the whole George Floyd thing happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> that changed. And uh, I felt a responsibility to really uh, put my opinion out there. And my opinion was not in line with a lot of other popular opinion. I remember when I first um, heard about the incident and I saw the infamous infamous take. And it, it looked pretty pretty cut and dry to me, along with a lot of people, that this guy seemed to be, be murdered on screen. Mm-hmm. But my background in, in recruiting, uh, I also do also have a background in research. So when something really interests me, I start digging around it, that kind of thing. And I started seeing reports here and there about uh, drug use, some of his background and uh, this kind of stuff. And I said, huh, I said, what I'm seeing in the media is not really matching up uh, with some of this research um, that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. So I started writing about it, started talking about it with some of my friends. Uh, I put friends in air quotes because <laughs> some of them yeah. became really upset uh, and angry at some of my positions. And I was like, don't get mad at me. I'm just showing you where, what, what I researched. Yeah, so you find and, out who your friends really were. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I started um, – that incentivized me, though. You know, It wasn't something that made me back mm-hmm. away. It says, you know what? The truth is the truth. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just see where it goes. So I started uh, writing more, um, I guess in retrospect, more controversial type stuff because I write about things that interest me, and the things that interest me tend to go against the uh, media narrative or against leftist thought. And I have no problem if the research backs up what I'm looking for, and I don't blindly follow the groupthink. I think at one point in my life I did, but mostly because I just didn't take the time to research it. Uh, I'll, I'll give an example of what, what I mean by that. So in addition to my blog for, for a good while, I wrote a newsletter called Black History Quiz. 
And on Black History Quiz, I would write about things that interested me or things I didn't necessarily hear about in school or in the mainstream. For example, mm-hmm. I did a series of articles about uh, slavery from the standpoint of black slave owners. Didn't really necessarily make it popular. But I said, it's true. During the Civil War era uh, prior to, there were several black slave owners who profited off of slavery. Didn't say that all blacks profited off slavery, but there were some. Um, I talked about how uh, slavery began in America because of a a lawsuit that uh, an African-American made against someone. um, And it sort of sparked the whole slavery thing here in the country. That doesn't win me a lot of friends. No. But it's but it's true nonetheless. Well, there's this narrative yeah. of, um, you know, America as a bad country and exactly people who want to change the political system use slavery as a one of the one of the weapons in their quiver, right? Uh, exactly, so, exactly. And in that point, I'll I'll bring up and I, not to cut you off, I go on these little tangents in my mind. So I got to throw them out there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like I one um, podcast and article I did was around reparations, which is a popular topic. Sure. And so I argued that uh, I argued against reparations because my basic question was who pays, right? And I would bring up historical information on blacks who own slaves, uh, Native Americans who own slaves. I talked about uh, the slave trade on the Barbary Coast uh, in my article about, I think it was like two centuries ago, Mm -hmm. uh, there were... Um, this trend of North African uh, African pirates that would enslave Italians and other white people yeah. uh, for hundreds of years. So I said, if you're going to do that, who pays? Because if you go back long enough, right? Races of people enslave other races of people. Yeah, you can whole- go back to the to the Bible. It's really yeah. nonsensical in some points, in, in some degree, to argue about it right now. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's well, it's never right, no matter where it happens. But the truth exactly. Is- the truth is it's happened all over the globe and every race has been enslaved. And Definitely. whites were actually enslaved well after um, the Emancipation Proclamation in Africa. And mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson had to send our Navy and that really was our first naval victory was dealing yep. with those pirates. Mm, uh, Triply pirates. You know, yep. and on my last show, uh, my sometime co-host, Ronald Boyd and I, we were talking about the fact that even the Northwest Purchase, now I live in Wisconsin, so even the Northwest Territory Purchase, you know, Thomas Jefferson, who gets a lot of flack as a racist uh, slave owner, right? Uh, one of his one of his requirements for the United States purchasing that land was that slavery would be illegal, you know. So mm-hmm. people tend to lose the fact that the Founding Fathers were well aware of what slavery was. They just knew that it would have to come over time and that just simply saying slavery is now outlawed would never work, you know? And so that's why the constitution was, was built the way it was. And people tend to lose focus or they don't, they're really ignorant of that fact. Now for you, you know, I am a white male. So the left has a specific definition for me right now. I'm a domestic terrorist because I believe in the constitution. And you, right. I imagine, being a black male, you, you talked about not fitting the stereotype, you know, and I, and I think it's it's harder for you and probably even harder for black females who come out conservative because then they even get attacked by the feminists who we're supposed to 
who's supposed to defend them as well, right? Yeah, I, I see this all the time. It, to to paraphrase another politician, if you don't think Democrat, then you ain't black. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and you see that. So once you're aware of this, you see this repeated all the time. I actually I posted it on my site uh, yesterday, a uh, a video where this um, uh, African-American uh, Republican politician was on CNN being interviewed and he was talking, forget his name, but he was talking about how he was not allowed entry into the black caucus to express his, his, his viewpoints. And uh, immediately the uh, CNN uh, reporter got on him for supporting Trump. And, uh-huh. uh, and he basically said, well, uh, as a black man, I can express my own viewpoint. You know, from her standpoint, she was like, well, you're you're racist because you are uh, a Republican and you supported Trump. So how dare you? How can you be Republican and black at the same time? And I like his retort yeah. being that I can I have my own mind. I can think my own way. So uh, you see that all the time. It's just it really bugs me. The double standards that I see in the media, I see it all the time. And either they don't see their own hypocrisy or they see it and they don't care. Like. One recent example, uh, this I think is bombshell. It would have been bombshell if it happened during the, the Trump administration. Uh, was Hunter Biden and his uh, texts that were revealed where he was using the N word quite often yeah. uh, with his lawyer. Oh yeah, and that was Donald and Trump I, Jr. It'd be all over. Oh my gosh, it would be international news mm-hmm. all all over, you know. But because it's if because it, it came from the left, it's okay. I, I, they say a lot. I hear a lot from from the left about white privilege, but I think liberal privilege is a very real thing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because if you are on the left, yeah. you get away with so much. Yes, so absolutely, much. absolutely. I want to point out. I just had up on your website too. You got these awesome characters, greater than color shirts, and yeah. And uh, encourage everybody to go and check that out. It's uh, jimstroud.com, right? Yeah, yeah. Please. The, the story behind that actually. Is it's a, it's actually a uh, a nod to one of my um, uh, one of my heroes, Martin Luther King, and he said famously, and as I have a dream speech, you know, one yeah. day I dream of a world where my my daughters would be judged by the content of their character and not their color. Right. So character, how someone is, is uh, how they are inside their character is much more important than the, than the melanin in their skin. Can't, can't agree more. You know what what I always say is we're all part of one race, the human race, and it's about Definitely. time. It's about time we look at, at each other that way. And honestly, I think we, the United States has never been a perfect country, but it has always strived for perfection. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about the media. Well, these folks in the media, a lot of them are either ignorant or they're part of and believe in Marxism. And they know, oh, yeah. and they know what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. They know they're, they're, instead of Marxists using the class system like they did in the let's say lenin overthrowing mm-hmm. uh, the, the czar in russia yep. uh, now they're using race instead and you go to england and they're going to be using and they are using religion where it's going to be the uh, more of the islamists versus the traditional yeah. english people and it's mm-hmm. happening all over the world and, and marxism is is the biggest threat that we have on our planet right now, in my opinion. And, you know, you brought up white privilege. And what I always think of is if you looked at if you look at successful black families and, you know, they are providing for their kids the best they can possibly provide. 
Isn't mm. that the same definition? I think every every family that succeeds wants wants their children to succeed and be the best they possibly can. And you know, that I think is what's being being called white privilege is just this natural um, you know, this natural sheltering and fostering of success that you see. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's and, bizarre. It's bizarre. But it's always got to have they always got to have some negative uh, connotation or motive behind it that that, you know, these groups of people, in this case, white people are just evil and that uh, it, you know, it really crushes me when I see uh, critical race theory being brought into the schools. You know, our babies are born. They have not a shred of racism in them. Mm-hmm. And when they're little kids and toddlers, uh, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but a, a young black father posting with his daughter the video about she can yep. succeed and do anything she wants. You mm-hmm. know, um, and he was absolutely right when he said, you know, they don't see race. They just see yep. love. They see, you know, uh, people, other people. And, yeah, uh, it's. I think you're right. Critical race theory is is, what, is the most evilest thing, the most evil uh, thing in our country, if not the world right now. Uh, on my website, if anyone's just curious, uh, on the left hand side is a link to an ebook I wrote called Critical Race Theory, uh, uh, Reimagining. Gosh, I'm forgetting the title. Right here. Reimagining <laughs> oh. how critical race theory imperils the American workplace. Yes. For those who okay. are who know about critical race theory and uh, rightfully complain about it entering the school system. Uh, imagine the <laughs> the evil of it being inside of a workplace, you know. And so in that ebook, I talk about different examples of how it can negatively affect the workplace. <clears throat> excuse me, how it can negatively affect the workplace and uh, destroy businesses, really. Because how can you work with somebody if you're taught in a diversity training or racial sensitivity training uh, that is based on critical race theory, and there are trainings that are not, but in case you are in one that is, then you're going to be taught that all white people are oppressors uh, because intersectionality, as they describe it, no white person will ever do anything good for you unless it's something in it for them, that kind of thing. Uh, if you're a minority, you're automatically oppressed. Then if, you, if you're being taught that in the place where you work, how can you work with somebody who does not look like you? Because you're going to think, why did I get a raise? Is it because I'm black? Uh, why, why aren't I being promoted? Is it because I'm black? How come I didn't get the uh, the great assignment? Is it because I'm black? Or how come that person got it instead of me, looking from another perspective? Mm-hmm. Why did you give Jim uh, the the raise or the promotion? Is it because you're trying to reach your diversity quotas? So that's what's in it for you as a white person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it takes away merit out of it. I, I was actually uh, personally affected by what you just stated. So hmm. as, as a as a white male, you and I are very similar in the fact that I was a I was a safety and health and environmental professional for 30 years. Okay. And I worked a lot with HR directors and the investigations that you have to go through, whether it's a a safety related incident or if it's let's say a sexual harassment incident. You know, you as an HR professional, me as a safety professional, we have to investigate to find out what the truth is. And I think that predisposes us probably to just not believe everything we see and to really try to understand the whole picture. And mm-hmm. that, I think, you know, as we talked before we got uh, before we started here, 
Uh, mm. You know, th there are people who just believe whatever they believe or maybe whatever uh, justifies the beliefs that they have without really trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, your comments about the workplace, you know, absolutely true. And in the in society, um, these things are having terrible effects, not only on our children, but, yeah. you know, I had mentioned to you before we start uh, started this shooting spree in, in Georgia and Alabama where, yeah. you know, a young black male decides he's going to shoot people uh, yeah. b because they're white. And uh, the thing that kills me is when stuff like this happens, it's barely mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, but even worse than this, look at the body count in Chicago and some of the major liberal cities and yeah. the, the amount of crime that's going on. And, and if black lives truly do matter, you know, why aren't those uh, being focused on and in, in the issues that are causing that? Why aren't those issues being uh, elevated to importance? Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of reasons. Well, for, for so many re for the reasons, the, the reason why I think that is comes down to one of two things, typically money or power. Right. So um, if you were to say that the black on black crime is a is a uh, issue that blacks need to resolve among themselves, then you take away the narrative that white people are evil and oppressing black people. If you take away that narrative, then I can't use that to get more uh, government programs in place. Uh, you'll see, for example, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. Um, mm -hmm. She was saying, well, she needs more federal help uh, because she can't stop these guns from killing everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's <laughs> there are things that can be done uh, without getting uh, additional federal help. Uh, stop defunding the police could be <laughs> is one thing that immediately comes to mind. Mm -hmm. But if you uh, address that, you take away that narrative. Secondly, you also uh, put them at a point of being accountable. If you look at sticking with Chicago, for example, if you look at who's in charge today, who was in charge last year, who has been in charge for decades, uh, you'll see basically the Democratic Party in that case. And, and a lot of times you see African-Americans from the Democratic Party in that case. They don't want to be held accountable for that. So it's easier to, to point a finger at the boogeyman and say it's somebody else's fault rather than us being accountable and taking care of the matter for, of ourselves, which is why I think also why you don't hear or see uh, Black Lives Matter being active in the community. There may be. I don't I don't know of everything. Uh, I don't uh, I don't know everything that they're doing. Uh, but I do know when I see major press on Black Lives Matter is usually around some sort of protest. Mm -hmm. or some sort of uh, peaceful protest. Uh, but I've yet to see major headlines, and I'm sure that if this was happening, it would be received major headlines because the media loves Black Lives Matter for the, for the most part. If they were building schools with all the millions of dollars that they're getting, yeah, instead of buying uh, that, that would be a major thing. If they, were, if they were doing a school lunch program, if they mm -hmm. were donating to the poor or homeless, I'm sure that the press would blow that up uh, nation, uh, nationwide, international. Well, the fact it's, it's, yeah, but instead I'm getting stories about uh, Patrice Con Colors, you know, buying million dollar homes right. and then resigning because um, of all of the hate attacks right. against right. her. Well, you know, know, Black, okay. BLM, BLM was a Marxist organization. 
their their founders even said they're a Marxist organization. We have yep. Marxist training. We want to destroy America. We want to rebuild America. I'm sure mm-hmm. that there are people in BLM who are honest people who really want to yep. forward the cause of civil mm-hmm. rights. And there are a lot. And, and all that's great. But if you're associated with a, a group that their mission is not civil rights, their mission is Marxism and changing the system. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you need to rethink how you're going about it and, and how who you're joining and what message you're actually sending out, whether it's intended or not, just by being a part of a group like that. Now, exactly. People talk, exactly. Well, people talk about racism. People talk about white supremacy. People talk systemically racist. Where are the Klan rallies? Where's the Where are the thousands of, of Klan members marching on the streets? And mm-hmm. where are the thousands of people attacking the, the BLM members? You know? you know what? I'm glad you said that. It's, if someone really, really wanted to know the state of race relations in this country, and I, and I wrote about this on my blog too, you will look at, um, a, a, you will look at three stats that I point out. One is the rate of interracial marriages, right? Right. Uh, which have been trending up since I think Loring versus Virginia in the 60s. Since it became legal for interracial couples to to date and marry, it's been trending up. Uh, if you look at the rate of international interracial adoptions, uh, more uh, by a wide margin, more white people adopt minority children than minorities adopt white children, right? So th- there's that also. And then I also mentioned, and, and if, if you remind me, I'll send you links to this because it's all on my blog. Um, there's You also can look at survey data. Like there was, I don't know if you ever noticed this, if you watch, if you watch a lot of TV or not, but a lot of television has interracial couples in their commercials. Mm, absolutely. You know, it's usually a, a white guy and a black woman, typically, right? And uh, this advertising organization did a did a poll uh, asking people, you know, what they thought about it. And it was like 80 percent of some huge numbers saying that we're, we're good with that. We want more of that because that represents more of America, you know. And so mm-hmm. if you look at it's like you can't have two different narratives. You can't have uh, interracial couples marrying uh, more than ever. You can't have interracial adoptions. I think I think now I think it's like 20 percent, 20 percent of all 25 percent, 20, 20 percent for sure. 20 percent of adoptions are interracial. Right. So you can't have that huge number of interracial adoptions and you can't have people saying, I want to see more interracial relationships on TV if the country as a whole is so racist. And, right. and I also and I remember writing this uh, rather recently, too, was that you mentioned the, the Klan. Uh, the Klan has been in decline for the past decade right. to the point that they're almost pretty much non-existent at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time the Klan made a big splash was, was in the Charlottesville uh, incident, right? right? And even then, you had more protesters than you had actual Klan members that were there. Right. You know? And there was a, uh, a chart from um, this website called Statista, which did a survey of American attitudes towards the Klan. And it was like almost 90% of Americans were against what the Klan stood for. Let me just interject real quick. So yeah. Before you go on too much further, you were talking about um, the, the, the the protests, the counter-protests. Mm-hmm. And I want to point out in the in the media, for, for anybody who is on the left who is watching me and you talk, yeah. uh, go look at 
what Donald Trump really said. Yes. He did not say that there are amazing people in the, in the, the clan that was there. That's not what he said at all. It was taken out of context. No. By contrast, what I want uh, you people on the left to do is to go and actually research the history of Mr. Biden, who his mentor, self-proclaimed mentor, was Robert Byrd, who was a uh, Klansman, and not only a Klansman, he was he was exotic cyclops. Uh, yeah. He recruited 150 people into the Klan yeah. during his time there. Yeah, and not only that, but Biden has a history with segregation. He has a history with uh, being racist, your comment earlier was, uh, you know, you're, if you don't vote for me, you're not a Democrat. Uh, mm-hmm. That was him. Yeah. Um, and again, the disparity of treatment uh, between the political parties, you know, historically, I could go through a whole litany of, you know, how it was the Republicans who actually pushed, pushed through the civil rights legislation. And uh, it was the Democrats who started the Klan the con- after the Confederacy was defeated. Yeah. Uh, yep. So. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out, that people need to do, like you were saying, do some research, uh, you know, when it comes to stuff like this, because too many people just go go with the flow and listen to what's going on, and they think that they are informed, but they're not. And I'd say something else that's really interesting, too. Now, you mentioned Robert Byrd. Uh, Biden was among the politicians present who eulogized him at his funeral. Mm-hmm. Not only was it Biden, but also... Yeah. Uh, Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. Bill Clinton, and amazingly enough to me, uh, Barack Obama also mm-hmm. eulogized Robert Byrd. I talked about that on my blog as well. Yeah, that blew me away when that happened. Yeah, you know, I, and I and I was talking uh, to another gentleman the other day, and and we were talking about when did all this really start? And this actually really started in Ferguson, and it mm-hmm. was Barack Obama who would come out and he would say, well, the cops acted stupidly or, well, without knowing what the facts were. And again, I think this is all by design. I think that when you look back at the first progressive uh, plan, if you will, and progressive back then is really more what Marxism is today. Sure. And they keep changing the word. But way back in 1911, there were, you know, documents about this plan, this hundred year plan, uh, you know, and so I don't think that this stuff doesn't happen just kind of at chance. I think that this is a, a well thought out strategy and people may call me a conspiracy nut or whatever, but the proof is there. It's been happening for 100 years. You know, although I appreciate the historical uh, significance of Obama being president and not getting into his different politics, which could be a whole nother show in itself. I think one of the greatest misses, not greatest hits, but greatest misses in his tenure was that he did not bring the races together. I, I, I really think that he was perfectly aligned to say, hey, we are now past all of our uh, racist uh, history. Yeah. You have a black man as president elected twice uh, by the American people. Majority we can now males. put. Yeah, we can all put that behind us. That is old news. We are past that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that was that was really a great possibility that I think a lot of people hoped for when they voted for him the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it, 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 it should have. I really would have liked to have seen that. His his um 
his politicking, for lack of a better word, really changed over time. I know as a politician, just being devil's advocate, you gotta um, be fluid. I think with some of your with some of your stances at times to, to get the votes you want if you're gonna be that kind of politician. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember earlier on in his camp uh, was this earlier on in his in his campaigning, uh, he talked about the absence of black fathers, mm-hmm. and he took a lot of heat from that, right? And I was thinking, okay, so he's telling the truth, and you know, I, I appreciate him, you know, uh, standing up and saying that. But after the left got on him, you didn't really hear him talk about that stuff anymore. Yeah. You know, and I, I didn't really, and it was also a bit of angst from the African American community that Barack Obama did not do a lot in our community as people had hoped that he would do in the position that he was in. Maybe he was trying to show that he was for the he was the president of all Americans, not just not just African Americans. But I, I just think there was a, a lot of missed opportunity. I agree 100. When I think when I think about him, that's one of the things that the first thing that pop in my head. Yeah. A lot of politics all aside. Yeah. And, you know, I, I interjected in there that, you know, he was also elected by the majority of white males. And yeah. So if we're so systemically racist, that would have never happened. No. Uh, one of the no. thing I, one of the thing I really want to touch on quickly, and that is that is this, that there are several examples that, um, you know, we have some of these what we call false flag events happening. Where sure. We have people claiming that either they're victim of, of hate crimes or, or racist hate only to be shown later that it was a hoax. But yeah. the problem on the left is that they love this stuff. They eat this up, but they don't go back and correct it. No. You know, there's CNNs no. and the MSNBCs and, and that sort of thing. So this is adding to further division. And this is something that needs to be called out as well. Um, mm-hmm. So having said that, um, I mentioned that I like to try to leave people with some positive things and with what they can do so share with us you know what have some of your successes been what gives you hope and encouragement and what can people do to make it sure sure um i guess i'll i'll define success and hope sort of in the same um same sentence is in that some people who have read my content have walked away with a different perspective. Maybe their mind wasn't totally changed. Um, maybe they were triggered. Uh, but success for me is that it made people think, if only for a few moments. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised by sharing information uh, how that could have a long-term effect. At least I'm, I'm discovering this. So I'll post something online, like you mentioned, the race hoax uh, stuff. I, I if you go to if you go to my site jimstrad.com and click on the archives link, you'll see links to all this stuff I'm talking about. But I did an article called um, "Let's Wait Before We Believe the Next Race Crime," where I, I documented 200 race crime hoaxes during the Trump administration or just before it to present. You know, and I can say, hey, uh, I know in the news this thing supposedly happened, but did you happen to know that there were 200 other cases out there that turned out to be hoaxes? And let's just maybe we should just wait a while before we you know, stand behind Jesse Smollett or Bubba Wallace or whoever the next sure. thing is. Let's just give it time and have an investigation before we get mad and start rioting and tearing stuff apart. You know, um, if you tell people that, if you show them facts and you plant a seed, 
maybe they will eventually come around to a more traditional or conservative way of thinking, or at least on that particular topic. And that can have positive ramifications on down the road. Um, uh, success is, I think, planting seeds. If someone doesn't change right away and, they, and, and they're still thinking something nuts, <laughs> in my opinion, um, th- just plant a seed. That's going to be the, the best success there. Get information and share it. A lot of people on the left tend to react with emotions and they'll feel that something is wrong and they will react accordingly. But if you interject logic and facts, at the very least, it will be in the back of their mind. And so when something else happens that the mainstream media wants to gin up into some sort of firestorm, in the back of their mind might be something that you said or something you shared. Mm -hmm. And it might give them a pause before they do something, which could help snowball into something else uh, terrible. Well, yeah, well said. And, you know, that goes right in line with what you're talking about with Martin Luther King Jr. with, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, looking at things more from a character standpoint, giving people a chance, uh, you know, being more open to uh, listening rather than talking and trying to get, you know, what trying to get the definition of the or the explanation of what people are saying. And one that I always think, too, you know, is um, saying you're sorry, asking for forgiveness, being more willing to lead by example being more willing to focus on other people. You mentioned narcissism. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if we were uh, recording at the time or not, but it, I think we were. And uh, you hit that absolutely right. Our culture of uh, participation trophies and yeah. victimization and uh, look at me, I have the most Facebook likes. And you know, our whole society has changed to a focus of, me, me, everything's me, uh, you know, and that's the other thing that I think as a society, I think just by lead, leading by example and showing people uh, love and charity, that goes a long ways. Um, so I really, I really liked talking with you and I liked, I like what you're doing. I like what you, what you're uh, saying. I like the level of courage that you have, particularly tough uh, in today's world. So thank you very much uh, for coming on the show. And I encourage people to go again to jimstroud.com and check out uh, your whole site, read your blogs, check out those shirts I mentioned. I think those are really cool. Um, but you're welcome back anytime. And if you have anything in particular that you want to share with people in my audience as, as it grows, uh, again, you're you're welcome to be here anytime, and it's a pleasure to have talked with you, Jim. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet.